Welcome to the Watershed Podcast. Watershed is the senior high ministry of Perimeter Church, where it is our desire to serve senior high students and their families by helping them navigate life in the changing world around them. Listen and be encouraged. Okay, so I'm Anna Sylvester, and thank you for coming to my seminar, Be Bold. I am going to be a senior at Providence Christian Academy. Um, Some things about me are that my favorite color is yellow. Um, I'm really artsy. I'm on the design team here, and I love cats. There's always that old lady who has a ton of cats when she never gets married. That's going to be me, and I'm totally fine with that. Um, So the whole Dorito thing, why I had Clay come up and eat a chip, why are there commercials, you're probably wondering, what does that have to do with your session, Anna? Um, Well... Doritos has had a lot of slogans in the past. Some of them are the loudest taste on earth, we'll make more, keep munching, and the one I like, dangerously bold. So those words that Clay and I came up with, well, except for the noticeable one, but um, strong, noticeable, distinctive, lasting, those are all characteristics of a bold person. And today I wanted to talk about boldness in our faith. So basically, I broke it down into two points. So the ones I want to focus on today are boldness for God and boldness with God. They're different, and I'm going to try to help explain that. Boldness for God is how you act outwardly, you know, acting like Jesus and doing what God would like. Boldness with God is how you pray, is praying boldly and saying, God, I need you to answer my prayers. So there is a tension with each of these. When we're bold for God, people will outcast us, and they won't accept us because we're different. When we are bold with God, the world tries to convince us that God can't hear us, and he doesn't care about our prayers. So to start us off, I have a clip from a movie made in 2005 and starring Will Smith, um, and it has some good examples of boldness in it. Here's Hitch. So um, at the beginning of that clip, Hitch says, shock and awe. Be bold, basically. Albert went a little above the expectation, and he ended up quitting his job. Well, that is how I see that we should be bold for God. He tells us to do something, and we should do it and try to go above and beyond. Um, There was a reward in the end. You know, Albert ends up getting a date with Allegra, and for us, the reward will be in heaven. So, um, in the Bible, there are many failures of being bold for God. This is a good thing, because we can't relate to completely perfect people. You know, if the Bible was full of perfect people, we wouldn't know what to do, and we wouldn't have any examples of how to live our life. We have an example of Jonah. Jonah was a prophet. A prophet is a speaker for God. And God told him to go to Nineveh. And he got on a boat and went the opposite direction. He ended up getting swallowed by a whale. That's another story. Then we have our boy Peter. And Peter is known for his famous denial of Christ. Peter was a disciple. And he was really close with Jesus for three years. And um, Christ said, you're going to deny me before I die. And Peter said, no, I'm not. And um, he did three times, not just once, it was three times. 
and that just was terrible for him. But those are examples so that we can relate to them. One example, a good example that I want to look at is Elijah. Elijah's story is found in 1 Kings. And I know that's in the Old Testament, and Old Testament is super boring, but I'm going to try to explain it in a way that everybody can understand. So um, Elijah, the story starts in um, 1 Kings 18, 17 through 21. So I'm going to explain like the beginning of um, how this conversation starts. So Elijah is the last prophet of the whole war, like the whole Old Testament, and he, I'm sure, feels very lonely. He has to stand up for God all the time because Israel has fallen. Israel is being run by a guy named Ahab, and Ahab is, was a good guy until he married this girl named Jezebel. And Jezebel is known as the wickedest queen in all of it, ever in the Bible. Um, she worshipped these two gods named Baal and Asherah, and she influenced um, her husband Ahab, and then influenced the people. And all of Israel was Israel ended up being fallen. So um, Elijah comes to Ahab, and um, Ahab says is that you, you troubler of Israel? And back then, that was a huge diss. And so Elijah takes it very personally and has this great comeback, starting in um, 18. I have not made trouble for Israel, Elijah replied, but you and your father's family have. You have abandoned the Lord's commands and have followed the Baals. Now summon the people from all over Israel to meet me on Mount Carmel and bring the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. Okay, so what the heck do we just read? If I read that without even looking, you know, trying to find truth in it, I would probably just, it would go over my head and I wouldn't even understand. But let's keep in mind that Ahab is the king of Israel and Elijah is just this little prophet. He's the last one too. If Ahab killed him, he would have no more problems. So Elijah is being extremely bold when he goes to Ahab like that. And he's being really risky too. Um, that last comment about Jezebel's table, I'm going to try to explain that. Let's imagine a medieval setting. That's kind of how the, um, the kings in the Old Testament were like. There's different tables for different classes in the palace. So the king and his family all sit in one table. The knights would sit at another table, and you know, the servants would sit at this other table. Well, that's kind of like how it is now. And so Ahab was sitting with his wife and all of the kids, and Jezebel allowed the... Um, allowed the prophets of Baal and Asherah to sit with them. And there is a total of 850 of them. So it's a pretty big table. But um, so he's insulting Jezebel. And Jezebel is known throughout the land as like this brutal woman who will kill you at any instant. But he takes that risk and he's bold because that's what being bold is all about, being risky and dangerous. Um, so the next part of the verse says, So Ahab sent word throughout Israel and assembled the prophets on Mount Carmel. Elijah went before the people and said, How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. The people said nothing. Again, he's throwing out a diss against the people. And this is even worse because there's many of them, and they could just create a mob and kill him. 
but he trusts that God will take care of him. And he knows that this is what God wants because God told him. And so he's being as bold as he can to do what God says. Um, so I, I'm not so good at being bold for God. Elijah is a great example, but I have failed many, many times. A couple years ago when I was in 10th grade, I went over to my friend's house and it was a Saturday night and I was spending the night and I assumed, because I go to a private school, that we were going to church in the morning. No big deal. So I packed my church clothes and um, then that next morning when I woke up, I like kicked my friend and I was like, come on, we're going. And she was like, what the heck? Go back to bed. And I was like, why? <laughs> I thought we were going to church. And she said, no, it's not important. I said, okay, and I just went back to bed. I failed. Um, you know, the Bible tells us to be like Jesus. Would Jesus have gone back to bed? No. Um, so how do we be bold for God? Being like Jesus? Well, sure. It's kind of hard to understand, though, because he is perfect. And a lot of times we kind of don't understand and we can't comprehend because he's so perfect. But God has tried to help us and he's given us lists, lists like the Ten Commandments and the fruit of the Spirit. And I wanted to talk about the fruit of the Spirit. Um, so the verse of fruit of the Spirit is in Galatians 5, 22 through 23. And... Um, you know, the fruit of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, etc. And we rattle those off all the time. But do we really think about it? And honestly, if I was a guy, I wouldn't even want to think about it. Fruit of the Spirit, that just sounds girly. So let's look at what bold fruit of the Spirit would be. A little more manly, right? Um, bold love. What if your friend stabs you in the back, betrays all trust you had for them, and you go to them and you're just like, I forgive you? because I love you, would they have anything to say in return? They, they really can't, because God wins. Um, bold peace would be when someone in your family, like your mom, gets cancer, and it kills you inside, and you're just swirling in this confusion, and somehow you rely on God, and you find peace in that situation. Bold patience would be something as simple as waiting in a grocery line and the person in front of you pulls out coupons and you want to stomp away, go to a different line, maybe the speedy line, but instead, if you just wait there and maybe even strike a conversation with them, that would be bold patience. The way that you live is evidence of your faith. I'm going to say that one more time. The way you live is evidence of your faith. So a couple of weeks ago, I went to Guatemala. And in Guatemala, in the villages, not in like the city of Guatemala, but all, we had to wear long skirts. And I figured that it was for modesty. You know, we're on a mission trip, we gotta be modest. So we sit down the first, the first day, and a girl comes over, and I share the gospel. And she seems kind of interested. And I was like, oh, do you wanna accept Christ? And she says, no. And I was like, well, why not? And she said, because I don't want to wear skirts every day. 
I was so confused. And then it hit me. We didn't wear skirts to be modest. We wore skirts because that meant we were a Christian. And I asked her, I was like, what are you talking about? And she said, that's what Christians do here. You wear long skirts. That's why you're wearing a long skirt. And I said, it's okay. You can wear pants and be a Christian. And she said, no, not in my culture. I failed there too. I really didn't know what to say because I was invading on her culture. Um, now, if we wear long skirts in America, excuse me, guys, girls, <laughs> just stay with me, pretend. Uh, if we wear long skirts in America, it really doesn't mean anything. It either means you're cold, it's the only clean thing in your closet, or you're Amish. So, um, but you know, we shouldn't need to wear skirts. Like, people should just know from our actions, but sometimes that's not always the case. A good example I heard in church recently from one of our pastors here was that, okay, who likes the Braves? Okay, there we go. Um, that actually goes in my shirt. That's great. Um, <laughs> so the way he said it was, you can wear the jersey, but that doesn't make you an Atlanta Brave. But if you're an Atlanta Brave, you're going to wear the jersey. And that example, being an Atlanta Brave is being a Christian, and wearing the jersey is good works. So just because you have good works doesn't make you a Christian, but if you're a Christian, you're going to have good works. If you're truly a Christian, you're going to have good works. Um, so this tension about being bold for God and people outcasting us, it's always going to be there. It's, it's never going to go away. Um, God has called us to do it, though, and that's why we should do it. In 2007, the Boise State Broncos won the Fiesta Bowl. If you remember that game, it was one of the most intense games ever. It was a 43-42 overtime. This man named Ian Johnson, in the, amidst all the chaos, all the cameras, all the confetti, he knew it was the right moment to get down on one knee and propose to his cheerleader girlfriend. All the cameras were on them, and it was a bold statement. What if she had said no? He'd be on national TV, and it would be completely embarrassing. But she said yes. I'm sure they're happily married somewhere. Um, so why, why does that impress us? Why, why do we look at that and say, like, yes, like, when? Um, it's because he was bold. And he wasn't just bold for no good reason. He was bold because he loved her. Christ died, gave up everything. That was bold. Why? Because he loves us. And I think now is our time to be bold for him in return. Today, I not only want to talk about being bold for God, I want to talk about boldness with God. I have another clip from Hitch to get us started with that one. Okay, so let's pretend that Hitch is God again, and we are Albert. So Albert was bold with Hitch and said, I want to dance like this. And... Sometimes God does the same thing to us and slaps us in the face and says no. That's because 
God knows better than us, and he knows the future, and we don't. Um, so just because you ask for something doesn't mean that you're going to get it. You know, if you ask for, like, a pony to fall down from the sky, that's not going to happen. You would get a slap in the face. Um, it's, it's just like we have to boldly ask, and um, God will answer yes or no, but only if we boldly ask. So let's go back to Elijah. It's time for the battle, the battle of gods. Asher and Baal and the 850 prophets versus the last prophet on earth, little Elijah, and God. So the whole, it's a game, basically, or contest. And they each have altars, and um, Elijah courteously lets uh, the other prophets go. And they create an altar, you know, cut up some animals and put it on there. It's kind of nasty, but... Um, and they're trying to get their gods to send fire down and light the fire. And then they would know that their god is the true one. So they're dancing. They're screaming. They're calling, Baal, Asherah, answer us. Nothing happens. They even go so far to like start cutting themselves so that maybe their god will see that they're bleeding and call to them and send fire. Nothing happens. Um, so it's Elijah's turn. And he gets ready a little bit different. He creates his altar, so he puts the wood on. Um, he puts the stones. And um, he puts the animal. And um, then he digs this trench around it and fills it with water. The verses for that are 1 Kings 18, 36-39. Um, so Elijah says, um, Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and have done all these things at your command. Answer me, Lord. Answer me so these people will know that you, Lord, are God and that you are turning their hearts back again. So he has this altar, right? And He's begging God to send fire down. And he tells us why. He says, we need you. I need you to send fire down now because these people need to see your power so that they'll turn back to you. So let's talk about this trench for a second. The trench that he dug around it. Um, he had asked people to pour water on it. And not just one bucket, it was so much water on the wood and the stones and the sacrifice that it overflowed and filled the trench. Um, let's keep in mind that wet wood does not burn. Uh, the next verse is starting in 36, it, well, 38. Um, then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, and the soil, and also licked up the water in the trench. When all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried, the Lord, he is God, the Lord, he is God. So that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to ask God boldly to do things in need, not want, need. Um, 
Elijah didn't take any of the credit. He gave it all to God, and the people ended up turning back to him, and Israel was saved because of the last prophet, this little guy, stood up to 850 other people. Um, I have another story from Guatemala. So when I was down there, we went to another village, a different new start. Thankfully, I didn't have the pants issue again. And um, so I sat down, I was with my mom and our translator, and a woman came over with her daughter. And the, the daughter kind of looked uncomfortable, but I mean, I don't know, it was kind of hot, maybe that was it, but they sat down and we asked her, why are you here? And she said, the mother said, because of my daughter. And um, we asked, you know, what's wrong with your daughter? And apparently the daughter had a swollen stomach. It wasn't from eating too much food. It was, they don't know what. And our doctors at the clinic didn't even know. They said, you need to go to a specialist. You need to get an ultrasound so they can see what is in your daughter's stomach that is causing it to be swollen. Um, so we prayed for the mother and she received Christ. And it was this amazing experience. And then we asked her, can we pray for your daughter? And she said, yes. And our translator added in, um, you know, you can pray too because you're a Christian now. You can pray boldly that God will heal your daughter. So me, my mother, my translator, and the brand new Christian mother of the daughter all stood up and laid hands on this little girl. And for about 10 minutes we were praying, and I know we were all praying about the same thing. We were praying that God would heal her. I know I personally prayed, and I said, God, I need you to heal her right now because I want the mother to see your power so that she'll be happy that she made the choice to become a Christian and she will know that you are powerful and you are the God for her. Um, after we stopped praying, um, we said amen and the daughter got up and was about to run off to go play. It was confusing because she wasn't playing before and you know, our translator through us um, said, you know, are you, are you okay? And she said, yeah, my stomach doesn't hurt anymore. And she was healed. Um, she went off to go play, and the mother started bawling. <laughs> um, and she was just praising God, the guy that she had just given her life to. Um, the mother also added that they had already been to three specialists and gotten three ultrasounds, and there was nothing in her stomach. Praise God. Um, so in that moment, I felt the power of God, and I saw what he could do through me if I just asked him boldly. Sadly, it took me 17 years and going to a different country to figure that out. And I pray that for you, you will ask boldly starting now. And you maybe you've already felt that power where you ask him something and he answers. And um, that's what I want for you. Um, so this tension about being bold with God. People will always say that God can't hear us, that, you know, he won't do what we need. He's too small. 
He's not powerful enough. Well, that tension is never going to go away. But God has called us to do it. In Luke 18, Jesus gives a parable. He's speaking to his disciples, so it's best friends, and he's trying to encourage them to pray to God and never give up. It's a story about a woman and an unjust judge. It's this judge that doesn't care about anyone but himself, and he never gives justice. The woman is a widow and is somehow wronged. The Bible doesn't tell us. She goes to the unjust judge and says, please help me. And he says no. She goes every single day for a long period of time. It doesn't say. But long enough that the judge says, okay, but I'm going to tell you why I'm doing this. I'm not doing it because I care about you. I'm not doing it because I care about your people. And I'm certainly not doing it because I care about your God. I'm doing it because you're annoying me. And Jesus tells us that's how he, we should pray. We should pray not ceasing. And we should pray boldly and ask the judge for whatever we need. Um, so Christ is asking us to do that. So we have a little extra time, and I want to take about 10 minutes, 15 minutes, to go over two questions. So if you guys could get into like little groups. I know it's kind of crowded in here, and I'm super excited about that. Let's just... Deal. Yeah, I'm sorry, but this is going to be good. <laughs> okay, so the first question. <laughs> um, the first question is, when is one time that you've been bold for God or one time that you failed? Now, if you don't have a boldness for God story, that's totally fine. I'm talking to the people that they have something on their heart that they know they have. It was a great experience, and they know they should share. Um, but I'm pretty sure all of us have failed to be bold for God one time. It could be as simple as my experience when I just didn't go to church. It's really not that big of a deal, but yet it is. Um, so if we could speak about that for about five minutes. Okay, the next question. The next question that I want you guys to talk about is one time that you've been bold with God or one time that you failed to be bold with God. Uh, failing to be bold with God could be like asking God to send a pony from the sky and it didn't happen. Something like that. Um, being bold with God would be when you ask God to do something amazing and it happened because you asked boldly. Okay, so those were the two points. Be bold for God and be bold with God. Um, to help you remember, I challenged you that every time you need a Dorito, you think of this and you think, am I being bold with God? Am I being bold for God? On your way out, you'll grab a Dorito as you go. But um, to end us, I have a prayer. Let's bow our heads. Dear Lord, um, I pray that my message was clear. I pray that anything I said that wasn't from you will be forgotten and your truths will remain. I pray that there will be boldness surrounding this gold rush and inside everyone here. Lord, we expect a change of hearts. We know you will do great things with our lives. Just as Elijah asked for fire, we ask for boldness. Lord, we love you. Amen. Thanks for coming. You've been listening to the Watershed Podcast. Perimeter Church is located at 9500 Medlock Bridge Road in Johns Creek, Georgia. Please visit our website at watershedministry.org for more information. Thank you.